All right, John chapter 6, if you would turn there in your Bibles, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. John chapter 6 and verse 15 is where we'll begin tonight, today, not tonight. Speaking of tonight, um, speaking of nighttime, on Wednesday nights we've begun a uh, study through the Psalms. So we're not sure what Psalms we're going to do, how we're going to do them, but... Um, we're trusting that the Lord leads us. Last week it was Psalm 1, and I, uh, we're really seeking to draw life application. I mean, that's the, the whole focus of, of the study. So we encourage you if you want to come out for that. So, Lord, bless our time in your word. Thank you, Lord, that we could be here today. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful time of praise and worship, Lord, that we could just really sing out our gratitude to you, Lord that we can be reminded that we are saved by grace. Thank you, Lord. So teach us now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus, had, uh, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Then the sea arose, because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. It's interesting when you look at the gospel account how quite often we, we know that at least four of the disciples uh, were fishermen and so they made their living on that body of water on the, the lake there. And it's interesting to see that many of their struggles had to do with the thing that they were the most familiar with. I mean, um, we know of at least twice where they were caught in the storm. One time they're caught in the storm, the boat is filling up with water, they're bailing out the water. Here's another time. Um, Jesus is not in the boat this time, uh, but again, they're caught in a storm and uh, they're in, <laughs> they're hurting, you know. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. We read of them, you know, fishing all night, not being able to catch anything. And it's just interesting. I think that the Lord allows the storms to come in those areas of our life where we think we've got it covered so that we might know that we, we don't have it covered without him. We really need him, not just in the storms, but in all areas of life. I was thinking when uh, we were raising our, our children at different times, we had uh, sailboats. We liked to sail. It was kind of a, you know, we always looked for things that weren't expensive. So if you could buy a, a little sailboat, well, there's no other expense. You have the water and you have, you know, and uh, we've had a few different sailboats over the years. I think the largest sailboat we ever had was a little 16-foot uh, sailboat, which the family had fun on. But, but hands down, the funnest little sailboat we had was a little sunfish. And you could put two people on it. And the kids, when they were young, they would just sail that back and forth. You know, we'd go down. 
we called uh, the beach over here on, on the base side, we called it Secret Beach because no one knew about it. No. But we would go to Secret Beach and, um, and we would go out there and we would sail and it was just a wonderful time. And I remember the Lord reminded me of this on my way in today that it was a Sunday afternoon, it was after church, the wind was blowing. I thought, oh, this, this would be great. You know, Brittany, our oldest daughter, Brittany and I will go out and we'll go sailing. We'll go to the secret beach and we'll go sailing. And uh, by the time we got there, I mean, the wind was just howling. And it was, it was, it was a, surely a uh, small craft warning. And I'm a pretty cautious guy. I, I, I'm not daring. I don't take risk. But for some reason, in utter stupidity, I rigged up that little sailboat, and uh, we went out. And almost immediately, once we went out, I realized, what are you doing? We could die out here. I have my daughter with me, and she's looking at me. She goes, Dad, it's pretty windy. You know? And I said, yeah, it is pretty windy. And, and, I, and I said, babe, just, just hold on. And if the boat goes over, just hold on to the boat. You have your life jacket on. And, uh, and I remember it being just such a frightening thing. I think of that because the, these fishermen, they're in a storm, they're on the boat. Obviously, it's a big deal. And then comes the lifeguard walking on the water there to rescue. You know, guys, you look at the gospel accounts, and if all we had was John's gospel account, we might, we might conclude that that the disciples got tired of waiting for Jesus. Jesus had gone up to the mountain to do whatever he was doing, you know, most likely praying and fellowshipping with the Father. And when he didn't return, they kind of got impatient and just went over across the lake. I mean, that's what we would think from John's gospel account. But the fact of the matter is that we're told from Matthew and Mark that Jesus actually made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. So that's interesting. And that's something to keep in mind when you consider this, this account of the storm. Jesus, he makes his disciples get into the boat and go before him. And he does this, no doubt, because he wanted to protect them from danger. You might be thinking, protect them from danger? What danger? protect him from danger. He sent them into danger because no doubt Jesus knew that there would be a storm on the lake. I think that Jesus was protecting them from the danger of getting caught up in the frenzy of the people. We're told in our text that they wanted to take him by force and make him king. You know, guys, if they would have done that, the disciples, with their limited understanding of the mission of Jesus, would have said, this is fantastic. This is wonderful. Jesus, he is king, and he should be king. And, and, and we're, you know, we will reign with him, you know. And so he sends them off. He sends them off. He goes back up on the mountain. He's there alone by himself. The disciples have just come off of a uh, encouraging time. They were sent out by Jesus two by two to minister, to do the things really that Jesus was doing, to teach people, to cast out demons and to heal the sick and this type of thing. And I'll tell you, boy, that would be exciting. exciting. So they come up with that and then they're used by the Lord to pass out the miracle meal. That would be a blessing. 
You know, they didn't have anything to do with the meal. They weren't multiplying the fish or the bread. They were just simply taking the miracle from Jesus, handing it out to the people. It's a blessing. But there was something they needed to learn. And it's something that we learned right away after placing our faith in Christ. And that is the Christian life, being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, well, it's not always exciting. And it's not always a picnic on the green. We learn probably the very first lesson we learn as Christians. I know it was for me. The very first lesson I learned was you go through storms. And these storms are actually ordained by God. They seem so foreign. You place your faith in Christ and somehow in your thinking. And it's not because you're even in a, 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 a bad teaching church, you know, this kind of, you know, name it and claim it and you're never going to suffer or anything. You, you just kind of come up with this on your own that somehow I should be now exempt from storms or difficulties, troubles, anything like that. I'm no longer going to face those things because I'm a child of God now. And then the first storm comes rolling in and we think, what strange thing is the disciples, they were learning a lesson. They were learning that it's in the storms that we learn the importance of really trusting the Lord. Think about it, guys. We don't learn to trust the Lord when everything's going smooth. We learn to trust the Lord when everything's not going smooth, when things are difficult, when troubles are coming our way or they've come. It's in the tough times that our faith is tested and tried and strengthened if we're, if we're truly abiding in him. The Apostle Paul, he wrote much about this. He wrote, and I'm going to read to you from 2 Corinthians 12.10. It says, therefore, Paul says, I take pleasure, that's interesting, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, and then he adds, for Christ's sake. I take pleasure in these things. Do you take pleasure in these things? I mean, let's be honest. It's hard to take pleasure in these things. But, but the, the condition, really, that, that Paul gives is for Christ's sake. Paul's not saying, look, it, I, I'm, not a, I'm not someone who enjoys these things. I don't look forward to these things. But if it's for the cause of Christ, then I accept these things. And the rest of the verse goes on to say, and you guys all know what the rest of the verse goes on to say. It's that part of the verse that we learn early on in our Christian walk. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's strength in weakness. It's not, you know, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. But in our weakness, we know that we have no no one to turn to. No other option but the Lord. If anyone's going to get me out of this situation, it's going to be the Lord. Only the Lord could rescue us. Have you ever been there? I think we've all been there at one time or another. Many, maybe many times in your life. You guys remember, you know, another portion of scripture as new Christians we find ourselves in is the beginning of James. Considering, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into very... Remember that? And you look at it and you go, oh, Lord, I don't know if I'm ever going to learn this lesson. 
because it doesn't feel like joy. It doesn't feel like something I could take pleasure in. Let me read another scripture dealing with the same talk, topic, not in James, but in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, again, note the rejoicing. There's always this rejoicing connected to it. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, note that, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. At least Peter recognizes that we could be greatly rejoicing and be grieved at the same time. Grieved by the various trials, but rejoice in what they accomplish. The verse goes on to say that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I use the New King James. Many of you use the New King James because you fellowship here. The King James reads, ye are in heaviness. It speaks of distress through manifold temptations. The word temptations, the, the Greek that's used there, it literally means a putting to proof. Why do I have to go through it? Why is it that I need be go through the storms? It's the testing. It's the proving of our faith. It's not proving God. I mean, God's not testing our faith to see how strong we are. He knows how strong or how weak we are. The testing of our faith is for our benefit, not for God's benefit. He knows all things. Guys, again, in Matthew's gospel, it says Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. So you got to ask the question, why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus send his disciples into a storm? And the answer, well, the answer was found in 1 Peter, if need be. If need be. Father wants our faith to be grounded. You know, guys, you look at the church today, and there are so many flaky Christians. I mean, really, it's, it's embarrassing. They don't know which end is up. You know, their favorite verses are, godliness is next to cleanliness. My mother used to use that one. I thought it was a verse until I started studying the scriptures and realized it wasn't in there. Or how about this one? God helps those who help themselves. First, flesh alonians. <laughs> no, that's not found in there either. It's, it's the fact that it's in our weakness that we become strong because we're dependent upon the Lord because we recognize I'm only going to make it through if he's with me. You know, guys, the storm... I think following the short missionary trip, send, sending out two by two, doing great things in the name of the Lord's name, the handing out of the miracle of Jesus, there needed to be a counterbalance. There needed to be this understanding. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Do you remember that? Do you remember how that verse ends? For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you could do nothing. For without me, you could do nothing. I could send you out two by two, and without me, you're not casting out demons. 
You're not healing people. You're not teaching my word accurately. Without me, you could do nothing. Without me, you could do nothing. You're not handing out a miracle lunch or dinner without me because there would be no miracle meal without me. You see, it's that dependence. The disciple, the follower of Christ needs to come to that place where they realize, I'm not calling the shots. He's calling the shots. I'm not the one that has the power within myself. He's the one that infuses the believer with power, that dunamis power, the Holy Spirit coming down upon us so that we might be witnesses as he wants us to be. Sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of a storm because we're disobedient. Remember Jonah? I love that little book of Jonah. Jonah's in a, he's in a storm. And he acknowledges it. Remember, they're, they're casting everything off the boat to lighten the boat so it rides a little higher in the water, you know. And, and Jonah finally says, throw me in. I'm the cause, you know. It's God. This, is a, this is a God storm, and he's after me. I'm his prophet, you know. And you talk about embarrassing. I'm the prophet of God? Well, what are you doing on this boat? I'm running from God. I don't want to do what he asked me to do, you know. And they threw him into the sea, and immediately, you know, they were fine, and <laughs> sometimes that's when we find ourselves in a storm but, but other times we find ourselves in a storm because we're obedient to the Lord we're doing the very thing that the Lord has called us to do you know with Nehemiah and uh, we have so many others that serve and minister here and, but there's something about you know a man who takes seriously the word of God there is a uh, there is a target on them. There is this, we want to bring you down, we want to shame you. If we could shame you, uh, it could have a, a, an effect upon many people, you know, and, and so we want to get, you know, the pastor to stumble. This is why the man of God, the woman of God, needs to know when to say no to things in their life. You know, by the way, this is not true just of those who are you know, missionaries or pastors. or that. This is true of all Christians. But most Christians don't take this seriously. We need to say no to things. Because we don't want to become enslaved to something. We don't want to become addicted to something. We don't want to be uh, uh, bound up by something that's keeping us from moving forward and doing what the Lord is calling us to do. So we want to be free from that, you know. But I'll tell you, the enemy doesn't like us. He's more than willing to bring up, you know, bring a storm up or whatever, you know. You know, he's like, uh, the enemy's like the use, useful idiot of the Lord, you know. It's not like he's got this control over, you know. God allows him to do certain things at certain times for certain reasons. Well, there they are. They're in the midst of the storm. Have you been in a storm lately? I know some of you are in a storm right now. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. Storms come. They come out of nowhere, don't they? It's like, man, I was doing so well, and I got this phone call, and everything changed. And now we're dealing with this. And it could be just so heavy and devastating 
And, and I'll tell you, when we find ourselves in a storm like that, we have a choice. We could either, we could either look at the circumstances, we could look at the problems, and we will, we will just begin to despair, to lose hope. Or, or we could say, Lord, and this is where we stand on the promises of God. It's not this commanding thing. I, that, that's so annoying to me. You know, these television uh, preachers and everything. I demand you, Lord. You know, it's like, oh, gosh, zap them, Lord. Just burn them up, you know. Show them that, you know, humble <laughs> them out, you know. And, but it's this, this humility. Lord, I am yours. I have been bought by you. And the price was your precious blood that doesn't perish. And, and you know me, and you love me, and I'm yours. And, and, and you see what I'm going through, and, and you know what I'm dealing with. And I, and I pray, Lord, that I'm going to stand upon these promises, and I'm going to believe you for the outcome that you want. There are certain things we could pray with great confidence, knowing that this is the will of God. You know, guys, like the salvation of people. God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So do we have to think about praying for the salvation of somebody? No. God wants people set free. He doesn't want them in bondage. He doesn't want them, you know, living a life of woe. So we could pray. Mark tells us in his gospel account, he, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. At least that's how it appeared to them. And I thought that was insightful for Mark to tell us that. Mark wasn't on the boat, but Peter was on the boat. And so Peter was telling Mark, this is what it was like. Jesus came walking. One gospel writer tells us, we, we thought it was his ghost. We thought it was Jesus' ghost, whatever that means, you know. Ooh, you know. But um, uh, but Peter uh, tells Mark because Mark is the source for Mark's gospel. Uh, Peter is the source for Mark's gospel account, and he says, uh, "Yeah, when Jesus came walking, it was almost as if he was going to walk right past us." And I kind of imagine in my mind them saying, "No, Jesus, over here, over here, over here." trying to get their attention. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Jesus, over here, over here. We need you. Help, help, red flag, you know. You know, guys, when you read the scriptures, um, there are times when it's apparent that the word of God is being used symbolically. Um, when Jesus made his triumphal entry and he's weeping over Jerusalem, and as he's weeping over Jerusalem, he uses that illustration of a hen gathering her chicks under her wings, how he longed to do that. Well, we know that it was just speaking of the compassion of our Lord. He doesn't have wings. He's not a chicken. You know, they're not, they're not chicks. You know, that's symbolic. But you know, guys, there are many times when we read in the scriptures, I think, we're reading in the Old Testament. We're reading the book of Psalms. And I think many times we cheat ourselves because we don't know the word of God like we could know the word of God. 
and we think, oh, this is just symbolic. For example, you know, Job is to believed to be the oldest of the biblical writings, the book of Job. And Job wrote this. He, in Job chapter 9, verse 8, it's kind of the second part of the verse, he's speaking of the Lord, and he says, He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Well, that was prophetic. That wasn't symbolic. So what do you mean? Well, we're reading in the New Testament, Jesus treading on the waves of the sea. You see what I'm saying? There are so many things that we could glean from the word of God. Well, would you turn with me to Matthew's gospel account, Matthew chapter 14, quickly. We're not going to spend a lot of time there, but I do want to touch on something that John doesn't tell us about, Mark doesn't tell us about, Matthew tells us. Matthew chapter 14, verse... um, 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I want you to think about that for a moment. You know what we remember when we read the account? Peter sunk. Let's not forget, Peter walked too. Can you say it? I can't say that. We surf. Sometimes I feel like I'm walking on water, but (laughs) it doesn't last very long. (laughs) But he's walking on the water. Jesus said, come, and he came out. But verse 30 tells us, but when he, Peter, saw the wind, saw that the wind was boisterous, He was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, not Peter, but Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Peter He walked. What was he doing? Was he showing off? Peter, come on, Peter. You always got to be the man's man. You know, you got to always be doing something outrageous. Maybe Peter just wanted to be with Jesus. Do you want to be with Jesus? You know, guys, there are times when we want to be with Jesus, if we're honest. There are times when we want to be with Jesus more than other times. When you're going through difficulties, you say, oh, Lord, come. Please come. Maybe when things are going well, you still want to be with the Lord, but you can wait. (laughs) You're patient, you know. He'll be here soon enough, you know. I, I was thinking of Peter. I don't know what motivated him. He just wanted to get out there on the water. He did. I was thinking of myself. I was thinking of how, you know, I, w- I want to be with the Lord. I want to be with the Lord when the Lord is healing and helping people. I want to be with you, Lord. And I want to be with the Lord when, when he's feeding people and freeing people of their sin. 
I want to be with them. But to be honest, I don't, I don't know that I want to be with them going through seasons of suffering or rejection or death or anything to do with the cross. I mean, honestly. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Not just the 12, but any who would come and follow him. He says, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Remember that? See, this is one of those verses we should take literally, but we think it's symbolic. Do you know that in this verse there are two things that are ours? The first is ourself. <laughs> let him deny himself. Ourself, it must be, we must uh, deny ourselves, And the second thing that's ours is our cross. It's not a cross. It's not the cross. It's our cross. And it must be carried. And this is, this is the Christian life. Storms, storms are ours. Storms are part of the Christian life. Storms are used by the Lord to mature us, to make us dependent upon him. Storms cause us to grow up spiritually. If we're going to the word of God. You know, guys, it's, it's almost as if, you know, the Lord's so patient. He doesn't uh, say, well, you haven't figured it out, you know, in five years or 10 years or 20 years. He's so patient. He'll just keep, keep going, you know. But I'll tell you, the sooner we learn the lesson to be dependent upon him. Too many professing Christians, for too many professing Christians, Jesus is an add-on. Uh, I need you, you know, there's a struggle in my marriage, come and help, Counselor Jesus. I need you, uh, I'm sick, or someone I know is sick, come, Physician Jesus. Someone needs to be saved, come, phys you know, Savior Jesus, you know. But, but Jesus is God, Jesus is the I am. Peter, he gets out, he walks, he's walking on the water until he looks around and he sees the wind and all, and he begins to sink. And again, we're faced with a choice whenever we're going through difficulties, whenever we find ourselves in the midst of the storm, when we see the storm brewing and trouble coming, and we begin to look at those things, we will begin to sink into despair, into hopelessness. But we could choose rather to look for Jesus in the midst of the storm. Jesus, I know you're here. I know you see. I know you know. You're here, Lord. Guys, this is a lesson that the Lord wants us to learn. Stay with me. I'm almost done. Some of you are swaying <laughs> and you're going out. But I'm telling you, you got to listen to this last part. You know, storms are going to come. But we must stand upon the promises of the Lord when they come. I love the fact, back in John's Gospel, John chapter 6, verse 21, 
It says when, when Jesus, you know, got to the boat, it says, then they willingly, willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. And I, that just jumped out at me, that word willingly in the New King James Bible, willingly. And I thought that's the only way a person can truly receive the Lord. They willingly received him. Now, this is true if you haven't placed your faith in him. You need to willingly receive him. You need to, you need to say and you need to mean what Peter said. Lord, save me. But if you're a Christian, if you're already saved... You need to willingly receive what the Lord has for you. Guys, none of us know what we may face. None of us know what struggles, what hardships we may face. But here's the wonderful thing. We don't have to face them alone. We face them with the Lord. It's by his strength. Would you stand with me, please? I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that might be in the midst of a storm right now. They might be in the midst of a personal storm. Maybe they're dealing with a health issue or maybe there's a, just kind of an emotional, ongoing, besetting storm of depression or oppression. We look to you, Lord. We look to you in the midst of the storm and we pray, save them, Lord. Save them, Lord. Not that they're not already trusting in you, but save them in the midst of their woe. We pray, Father, for those who are in a storm because of a loved one. They, their heart is so moved Last week we saw that, the, that Jesus had compassion upon the multitude because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And no doubt there are people here, they have compassion. Their heart has gone out, is going out to a loved one, to a friend, to somebody. And they just see their friend and, and they say things, they pray things like, Oh Lord, if only I could take some of that pain. Oh Lord, if I could carry some of that load. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would meet that person and the one they're concerned with or about right where they're at. Please, Lord, save them, save them, save them. Lord, we pray that we'd be a people who are truly dependent upon you. We thank you, Lord, for your track record in our own lives personally, where each one of us who have been followers of you, we could sit down and we could just begin to write out how faithful you've been, how you're never late, you're always, always on time. Sometimes it seems as if it's the last moment before everything falls apart and, and then comes Jesus stepping into the situation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So, Lord, we thank you for this reminder about storms, the certainty of them. But we thank you, Lord, that you are, you are the hope we have.
the hope we cling to, the hope we cry out to. In the good times and the bad times, during the hard seasons and during the, the picnics on the green, Lord. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.